Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. And good evening and welcome to this, the latest HR on the offensive podcast. It's me, Chris Howard from Lace Partners, and I will make a confession before I've even brought in uh, my partner for today's podcast, Kathy Akratopolo, because this is a podcast about benchmarking. We get asked quite a lot at Lace Partners about benchmarking, and we've been asked about it for a number of years, and we decided to do a podcast on it. And Kathy and I sat in an office about four months ago at the time of recording and decided to record it and I'm gonna confess my sins actually I'll introduce Kathy how are you doing Kathy you're right I'm good thank you Chris I'm grinning away if should, only people could that, see me now the time for me to confess my sins confess it go on we did we did in person using the podcast equipment and for some reason uh, firstly the laptop played up uh, so we then had to do it again the second time and then when we did it again the second time the laptop was fine but the recording equipment decided to go a bit funny. So we've decided to completely give up on the recording equipment and we're doing this by Microsoft Teams. But today's podcast is about benchmarking friend or foe. And we're going to talk specifically around some of the questions that we get asked from HR directors. Why do you need benchmarking? What the values are of it? And just hopefully, just for the next sort of 20 minutes or so, give you some the benefit of some of the insight that we get and have uh, as a business. And so I think the best way to kick off rather than me just waffle on about how I've already failed two benchmarking podcasts is to just get you, Kathy, to talk to us a little bit about why we need benchmarking. I will. I will, Chris, absolutely. But before I do, I, I do want to point out when you say there were some issues with the equipment, I think what you mean is you didn't plug it in. <laughs> That's what I was saying. <laughs> wow, throwing me under the bus after two minutes of the podcast. I, I do Love recall it. something about not actually having plugged in the USB cable, USB cable but the, the, we'll <laughs> move on, we'll human. move on. It's behind us now, it's fine, we're here, we're recording again. Okay, yes, yeah, so why do HR directors and their teams need benchmarking or why do businesses need benchmarking in relation to HR. I think there's a there's a few different use cases actually, Chris, and, and sometimes a, an HR function is being benchmarked, if you like, and this is not necessarily uh, with its blessing always uh, by the finance function, right? Because ultimately large organizations or any organization may want to take a view as to just how efficient are we from our corporate support functions, recognizing they are a cost to the business, right? So sometimes you are being benchmarked as an HRD and your team rather Rather than benchmarking yourselves. Um, so, so one aspect will be that, and that's usually an efficiency drive from, from a broad business perspective. Another aspect is that really an HR team is focused on continuous improvement. So they're just really trying to get an external perspective on how they compare with other organizations to give them a, a direction of travel as opposed to a specific target of number to hit, if you like. So that direction of travel, are we improving? Are, you know, how do we compare with our peer group or, or um, you know, broadly across organisations our size? And the third thing is really more to do with actually in benchmarking to inform period of transformation. So if you're going to invest in an HR system or fundamentally change your operating model or both, you know, you may want to know what your end game 
needs to look like by giving you giving yourself some external data points to say ultimately if we do invest in this uh, new way of working new structure new operating model new system what should our outturn be as an HR function in terms of maybe HR numbers or costs, for example? So different use cases, really. But but ultimately, it's a bit like us all doing quizzes in magazines, really, isn't it? We like to know a little bit more and have a few data points. And, and, and it gives us a sense of how we compare. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's having that kind of base level. There's no point in setting yourselves objectives if you don't know what's an acceptable sort of area for it. So what we actually talking about when we're talking about benchmarking, because if I'm positioning myself as a HR director leading a team, maybe a multinational organization, what do we talk about when we're, we're, we're defining benchmarking the different types? Okay, so at its simplest level, I think HR teams are often keen to size themselves compared to other organizations. So, you know, ultimately, how many HR people do we have compared to our overall workforce that we're supporting? Um, so that's at its simplest level. So an, a ratio of one HR person to how many employees or for every thousand people that we have in the workplace, how many HR people would we need to, to service that group? They're measuring the same thing, right? HR ratio to employee ratio. You can then also look at actually HR costs relative to revenue um, in the business or as a proportion of your operating costs overall as a business, for example. You can also break down the workforce and do things like, well, okay, if we think about the nature of the roles that HR is playing, actually, how many HR people do we have that are focused on the more strategic advisory work uh, as part of an HR function compared to maybe how many senior leaders there are who require that type of support. So that could be a ratio of HR business partners. Don't want to get into the debate about what the HR business partner does, but let's assume that it's primarily strategic advisory commercial support for the business leaders. So a ratio of business partners to leaders, for example, or business partners for the whole employee base. Um, and, and similarly, you can also then start looking at um, other parts of the workforce. So you could say for our more transactional work, how many people do we have doing that within HR compared to our employee base? So it's effectively trying to assess your efficiency or cost effectiveness as, as an HR function. Okay, brilliant. And can you just touch on a little bit internal versus the external and the qualitative versus the quantitative side mm. of it as well? Yeah, absolutely. So it's an interesting one, right? Because when we think benchmarking, we automatically think external. So how does our organisation compare with other organisations that are like us out there in the ether? Actually, internal benchmarking can be helpful as well. So how do your how do your numbers compare from business unit to business unit uh, for workforce to workforce? If you think about the fact that maybe if you have a really uh, a very strong sales workforce, right, who are who are using their phones a lot and, and um, you know, uh, don't necessarily manage teams themselves but are out there selling you know the nature of the support they might need from HR might be very different to a workforce that is more office based with a in, in a corporate function for example or in a in a manufacturing setting again might be very different if you're in, in a supporting an, a manufacturing workforce where, where you might actually be managing employee relations handling quite complex cases looking at health and safety for example in that site so you can segment your workforces and see how your numbers compare in terms of HR to total employees in those different settings and understand the rationale for the differences um, similarly you could look at a whole you know if you have different biz, uh, business divisions you can look at your comparisons across divisions why why are our numbers different if they are different understand the logic it helps you just really 
sense check have you got things about right um you know where where should we be similar versus where actually is there is there warranted differentiation and then when you look at qualitative and quantitative you know benchmarking we've talked about the quantitative right numbers of hr people costs of hr people to your overall uh, employee base or your overall revenue or your overall cost base. But from a qualitative point of view, you know, how does your service offering compare? How does your experience, your employee experience compare with other organizations? And again, potentially internally within different parts of the business. So that's, that's you know, less tangible in terms of the data points, but equally important to think about how you're stacking up, if you like, against your competitors, for example, when it comes to your offerings or your experience that you're offering to, to the workforce. Yeah. So I'm going to put a statement to you. It's a true, mm. a true or false statement. How about that? <laughs> and my statement is that it is basically impossible to ever truly benchmark. And I'll contextualize that because there are so many variables that you are looking at when you are looking to benchmark the location that we're at compared to if you let's just say you're doing external benchmark the location that we're at compared to the company x who's a competitor of ours being so different the size of our company versus their company the industry that we're in maybe even the operating model the way that we deliver our our hr because you've got shared services versus obviously center of excellence mm -hmm. right? so my statement is it is impossible to ever truly get an accurate benchmark and i want you to true or false me and then elaborate on that <laughs> or you can it depends me well know. you know the consulting answer is it depends doesn't it but uh, i i i um there'll be lots of benchmarking firms out there right who would say of course we can benchmark um and and people offering benchmarking services from from a lace perspective we don't have access to a benchmarking database um, but we'd actually from our point of view, that there are a number of cautions we would apply to benchmarking. And it is being very clear about why are you benchmarking? What are you going to do with the data? What is it being used for? And, and go into it with open eyes on that perspective, as well as understanding how you can, as much as possible, attempt to compare apples with apples, right? Because we absolutely can only use benchmarks effectively if we are confident that the data is meaningful and comparative, right, for exactly the reasons you're emphasising. So I do think it's possible to benchmark, but I think you have to go in there knowing the nature of what you are being benchmarked against and understand, therefore, the relevance, the confidence of how relevant that data is to you and your organisation. And depending on how much you're using that benchmarking data to make fundamental decisions about your sizing of your organization, you just need to go into it with <laughs> a high degree of confidence if you are using it, for example, to size um, the savings that you're expecting from, from you know, reorganizing your, your HR function or you know, that finance may be using it to set you as an HRD, a target for cost reduction over the next two to three years, for example, you have to have confidence that the data you're looking at is relevant to you. So as you described, there are a number of factors that will, will you know, you would need to consider to really make sure that actually the data is as relevant as possible. So, you know, you talked about locations, really important part, you know, the number of countries um, or even physical location, office locations or manufacturing locations that you have as a business will inf in influence how relevant um, another organization is to you when you look at your numbers of HR people. The service offering you offer, you know, how high touch your workforce is in terms of what it needs from HR versus a workforce that is very happy receiving most of its HR services in a digital way and that they are, have 
you know, capable people managers who embrace their responsibilities and don't need a lot of handholding from HR. You know, factors like that, which actually you need to ensure that there is some like for like in the comparison. The amount of um, activity that has already been centralised in a shared service setting you mentioned, right? Absolutely. That in itself will drive efficiencies. So the extent to which you have already centralised operational and transactional support, the degree of um, digitization that you've already got in place, you know, how effective your HR systems are, how much you've automated aspects of the employee lifecycle. And similarly, you know, you're also looking at, at how much you've outsourced, right? So, you know, you have to compare like for like on scope. If you're comparing your HR function size and cost to another HR function, if you've outsourced aspects of it, you need to add back in that cost, right? You need mm-hmm. to say, okay, so my cost per hire or my my payroll provision, you know, I need to add that back in if I'm going to compare myself with other organisations looking at the full suite of HR costs and services, right? So, so there are a number of caveats that actually mean, in reality, your statement at the beginning, true or false, is it possible to ever compare with complete confidence? No, because of those variables. But as long as you understand the pool against what you're being compared and you have the necessary, you know, high degree of relevance, or at least understand how much confidence you can apply um, with the benchmarking data to your decision making, then you're going in with your eyes open. So in that respect, and you talked about confidence there, do you think that there are many people in the HR community that have an extreme reticence to benchmark? Is everybody benchmarking? Are they doing it any good? Are they doing, you know, are there businesses that are, are good at it? What's the things that they need to look for? Look, I think, as I said earlier, I think everyone wants to know how they're doing, right? Mm. So, so there is an appetite for external data and comparisons. Absolutely. I think all of us naturally, if we were running an HR function, want to know how we stack up in terms of, of the service that we're providing and and the cost incur, incurred by the business. Are we all doing it? No, because I think depending on your size and scale, um, you know, having access to either benchmarking data or the funding available to, to, to source benchmark, a benchmarking review, you know, will vary uh, across different organisations. And similarly, if you're in an organisation that's going through, you know, it's relatively small, but going through rapid growth, you know, it's sort of like, well, why benchmark now? We change so quickly, you know, so actually, you know, it's it's sort of, it, it's got to be, as I said at the beginning, around, around the use cases, you know, let's be clear about what you're using it for and why. In terms of the HR directors that we talk to, benchmarking pretty much always comes up. And, you know, my clients will will hear me talk about, the caveats and the cautions around benchmarking on a regular basis, uh, but it has its place and it, and it can be very valuable. Um, but but it is, as I say, going in knowing how relevant the information is and being clear on what you're going to use it for. Yeah. So of the clients that we speak to, then are there any questions that we haven't kind of already answered, like why should I benchmark or what do I benchmark? Are there any questions that we tend to get asked from clients again and again and again? Oh, well, often it's well, what is the target benchmark? Yeah. Right for HR to employees, and that's a sixty-four million dollar question, really, because for all the caveats we've just outlined, right? But yeah. it, you know, rule of thumb, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, it, it absolutely should not be taken as red at all. But if you're looking at your, if you're a large-scale organisation, multi-country, um, relatively complex, then then actually, you know, a, an HR to employee ratio of of one to a hundred. Is, is a good comparator just to say roughly how are we doing are we way off that you know and this is what I said earlier 
direction of travel rather than taking the figure itself as being the explicit target, but, but you know, one to 100 HR people to employees. Secondly, you know, the one around HR business partners and the ratio of business partners to overall employees. This does very much come down to what you mean by an HR business partner and what they spend their time doing. But if we assume that they are strategic advisors to business leaders only, then a one to a thousand type ratio of HR to employees, sorry, HR business partners to employees is another one that I sort of have in my back pocket as just a, a litmus test, if you like, of, of to give you an immediate view of whether that HR function is about right or or heavy or or, or light. But you know, that they are absolute back pocket litmus tests. They're not they're yeah, not yeah. scientific in any way, but they're they're a good starter for for just saying roughly how are we doing. Okay, brilliant. So we're actually coming towards the end of some of this, the uh, questions that we thought we'd we'd pose just um, just so that we could actually get this recorded finally. Uh, and then when we do get asked about it next time, we can ask, we can send people in the direction of the podcast. But is there any other just final considerations that you think that we should leave people with just before we wrap up today's podcast? Any kind of things that if you're going to do anything else, just if you're going to take anything else from it, take this. I would say as an HRD or an HR leader, and you're considering benchmarking, absolutely be clear about what you're use, using it for. The minute you start explaining to maybe your business stakeholders or your finance function how you have come out on a benchmarking survey, uh, you, you, you're, you're then likely to be held to account in terms of the target that you're, you might set yourself. So um, be clear on what you're using it for and who you share it with. <laughs> but also, as I say, be very clear on how relevant the data is to you as an organization. Use it for direction of travel, not for setting targets. That would be my absolute underlying piece of advice. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for finally us getting to record this. Of course, maybe nobody will ever hear this because maybe my computer will spontaneously <laughs> combust. And if that is, then <laughs> I will be terming, I will we'll do, a, we'll do a blog on it instead. Well, we're and not I'll recording it, anything more if that happens. I'll, I'll call it Kathy Ekratopolo and the curse of the benchmarking podcast. <laughs> Um, once again, exactly. thanks very much for joining me today. Uh, it's been been a delight as always, Mr. Howard. <laughs> see you soon. Speak to you soon. We will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive Podcast. Bye bye. <laughs>